All right, well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 16? The book of Acts chapter 16, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 12. The book of Acts chapter 16, New Testament, verses 6 through 12. When I read it, it's going to be from the NIV, but whatever translation you have this morning, uh, follow along. It's okay, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time if you're able. Uh, one last stretch, no falling asleep. Let's uh, prepare our hearts to receive. Wanted to thank uh, uh, Pastor Mike Weaver for filling in last week for me. I uh, heard he did a great job preaching the word of the Lord. Amen. And so we want to give God thanks uh, for him. And uh, just uh, good to be able. My wife and I got away for our 26th wedding anniversary and uh, thankful to God for his faithfulness to us. Amen. Uh, the book of Acts 16, 6 through 12. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you've already done, and we thank you for what you're about to do. We know, Lord, that you've got a plan and a purpose uh, for our lives. We know, Lord, that it's, your, it's in your plan to speak to us today, to give us direction, uh, to challenge us, to give us encouragement. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would do all those things and more, uh, God, that your will and your purpose would be performed today. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. So for several weeks now, we have been doing a message series called Bible or Not. Uh, we stated at, at the very beginning that the goal was to look at certain phrases that we use in life that sound biblical and maybe hold some truth, and yet all on their own, they don't tell the whole story. And so the first week, we looked at everything happens for a reason. The second week, we got into God helps those who help themselves, right? The third week, we talked about God won't give you more than you can handle. And then the fourth week, we looked at money is the root of all evil. Again, we said these phrases all by themselves, they're either false or they don't tell the whole story. And so it's important for us to unpack them. And, and we've been able to do that with you and reveal what Scripture has to say uh, about them. Uh, sometimes there are things or words that are left out. Sometimes it's uh, incomplete or just incompatible with what Scripture says. And so it's important for us to study the Scriptures. Amen. And so with that, uh, that last phrase that we left you with, money is the root of all evil, just a quick recap. We said that there are over 500 verses in the Bible that speak about money, possessions, and greed, right? And yet the subject of money, I'll tell you all the time that it's one of my least favorite subjects to talk about because of the negative stigma that's associated with uh, prosperity preachers or even with churches that will from time to time sadly uh, mishandle their finances. But I also believe that an improper understanding of money can actually lead us very far away from God. Did you know that? If we don't understand money properly, it can lead us away from God. So which is why we looked at the ABCs of money from a biblical perspective and then we discussed rightly how it's actually the love of money that is a root of evil. And so money in and of itself, uh, we said that all by itself money is not evil. It is actually morally neutral, we said. And we said that it's, it's not the one and only root of evil, but it is a root 
Now, to begin, we said that the letter A, we said the ABCs, right, of, of uh, understanding that is A stands for acknowledge that money is not evil. In fact, we stated that money is simply a tool and that the consuming love of money is a bad root, not the only one. And then we said that the letter B stands for beware of possession obsession. Along with that, there were three money myths that we debunked uh, together. And those were, number one, more stuff will make me happy. How many of you know that's false? Number two, I deserve it, so I want it now. And number three, more money will certainly end all of my worries. How many of you know that's also false? Again, these myths are caused by possession, obsession, and all they do is cause us to worry and, and to have anxiety magnified in our lives as we pursue more and more and more stuff. So I like to say don't fall into the money trap, right? Don't fall into the money trap. We, finally, we said the letter C stands for contentment is the antidote for financial worry. Say the word contentment this morning. <laughs> contentment. See, if we understand that contentment or satisfaction is not based on the gifts but on the giver, then we can rest whether we have a little bit or we have a lot, knowing that Jesus Christ is enough. How many of you know that Jesus is enough? I hope you do. Jesus is enough. So to be clear, the Bible says the love of money is a root of evil. Therefore, make sure to keep your life's priorities in order and understand, understand always that only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Now this week, we want to look at another one of those phrases. And the phrase for today is when God shuts one door, he opens another. When God shuts one door, he opens another. Again, those exact words are not found anywhere in the Bible. But at the center of this phrase, if you don't already know, is the principle or the concept of God's will for your life. How many of you know, how many of you would like to know God's will for your life? In the process of, some of us are in line with it. We already, for the most part, I think we all do, especially if we understand all of the great blessings that are associated with obedience to God and doing with your life what you are gifted and wired to do. Man, what a pleasure it is as a pastor uh, to see individuals that, that finally get that, that God wired them in a certain way to do certain things and that they can do what they've been wired to do for the glory of God. There is such peace. There is such satisfaction. There is such freedom in doing what you've been called to do. On the contrary, when you try to fit a, a round peg in a square hole, it doesn't work out too well, does it? That's with life as well. Sometimes we try to do things we were never called to do, and there's no satisfaction in that. Listen, while I haven't found exactly where this phrase came from, when God shuts one door, he opens another, sounds very similar to a quote that was used by Alexander Graham Bell. Yes, the inventor of the telephone actually used a phrase like this. And he once said, when one door closes... Another opens, but we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one which has opened up for us. That's some wisdom. 
That's some real wisdom there. So listen, as you can see, there's no mention of God in Bell's phrase, but it's close to what we say. And yet the best example of open and closed doors relating to God is found in our text this morning. Acts chapter 16, 6 through 12. I want us to go there. The Bible tells us that Paul and his friends, they launched into their second missionary journey uh, from Antioch. And along the way, they encountered what some would call multiple closed doors and an open door. And so let's go there to the scripture. Beginning in verse 6, the Bible says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. I want you to get that phrase. Sometimes we read so quickly. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word. So there's a big stop sign there for Paul, a, a big closed door. Verse 7, and when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow, again, another stop sign, another closed door. And so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas during the night. Verse 9 says, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. What in the world is all of that about this morning, Pastor Freddie? What are you trying to show us? We're trying to show, show you some closed doors and an open door. See, God had called the Apostle Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and he was obeying God. How many of you know it's good to obey God? He, he was traveling. He decided to try to go to north, north, the north, northeast route into Asia Minor. But the Holy Spirit said no. And so basically God shut the door. And then we know that Paul traveled on and he tried to go into Bithynia uh, toward what is modern day Russia. And once again, God did what? Shut the door. I mean, it must have been a puzzling time for uh, the Apostle Paul. He was on a mission for God. He was working for God, doing something for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. And yet the doors kept shutting in his face. And yet he, he didn't go back. He didn't camp out. Instead, he kept moving west. When he came to Troas, God opened the door for him. To go in, over into Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece, he had a vision of a man, he said, uh, in front of him, saying, come help us. And Paul understood this to be God's will, and so he got to take the gospel into Greece uh, instead of Asia Minor, and that was the first time that the gospel of Christ penetrated the European continent. And so even though the phrase, when God shuts one door, he opens another, is not found in the Bible, the principle is clearly evident as a way to reveal the will of God for direction in our lives. Again, how many of you want to know the will of God for your life? You should want to. 
I mean, what, what can we learn from finding and following God's will today through, through the idea of open and closed doors? And that's what we're going to look at. Number one, if you're writing notes, something that we can look, uh, uh, learn from about learning about God's will is number one, God will guide you if you'll trust him. God will guide you if you trust him. Say trust. For some, that's a deal breaker. For some, it's hard to trust anybody else. We live in a culture where it's me, myself, and I. It's what I can do with these two hands, and, and I've studied, and I have knowledge, and I have wherewithal. Listen, God will guide you if you'll trust him. If you're a know-it-all, and you want to do it your own way, and you've got your mind all made up, let me tell you what, you might go forward, you might go backwards, but there won't be the great satisfaction that there is as there is when you trust the Lord. See, the truth is you, you weren't placed on planet earth to, to stumble around in the dark trying to find out uh, what you should or should not do. The, the God of the universe, our heavenly father, is interested in you. See, the Lord, he has a plan for you. He has a clear pathway for you in this journey called life. The, the Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your what? All your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So listen, this morning God wants to guide you. And yet there's a lot of confusion about finding out what God's will is. Therefore, as you seek to follow God, it's going to be helpful to understand at least two important guiding principles. Letter A, the wrong question being, what is God's will for my life? The wrong question. So you may be surprised and wonder why it's the wrong question, but I'll give you the right question. What is God's will? What is, see, on the surface, the difference between these two questions may seem very minor, and yet they are as different as a lightning bug and lightning. In the first question, the focus is on me. What is God's will for me? In the second question, what is God's will? The focus is on God and basically what he is already doing in the world. How many of you know that whether you see it or not, God is moving? God is always moving. God is always directing. God is always forming. God is at work all the time, even when you don't see him. Henry Blackaby in his book, Experiencing God, points out that God is already active in his world. And our job is to find out what God is doing and for us to join him in his work. This is, the very, this is very key. Listen to understanding open and closed doors. See, in Acts chapter 16, God was at work saving the Gentiles. He was already in the process of taking the gospel to the Roman Empire. And Paul found closed doors till he got in on God's plan. And that is key. Listen, this morning, you and I need to get in on God's plan. You and I need to see what God is already doing. And let me tell you something. What God is already doing is the will of God for your life life. Listen, the truth is we, we need to stop asking God to, to show us his will for our lives and instead ask him to show us what he is already doing and then we get to join him in doing that. I mean, think about it. God is already blessing what he's doing. 
And he wants us to partner with him using our gifts and our talents. And that right there, like I said, is the will of God for us. And so let's make sure that we're asking the right questions and trust him to lead us. Do you trust the Lord this morning? Do you trust the Lord? Uh, B, God often reveals his will in segments. And most of you are like, that drives me crazy. Why segments? Why pieces? See, when God first called Paul to take the good news to the Gentiles, he didn't give him all the details. He didn't uh, unfold all the details before him like God didn't say, Paul, uh, go to Philippi, and then you're going to go to Athens, and then you're going to go to Greece all at once. God just said, go. For some of you, God is just saying, go. For some of you, God is saying, take the next step. Yeah, but God, what's the fifth step and what's the... No, 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 no. God is just saying go. Paul went right away as Paul traveled. God revealed each step. That's the same thing God told Abraham in the Old Testament. He didn't say up front, Abraham, I'm going to bless you with all of this land and all of your descendants. No, at first, all he said was go. And by faith, Abraham left his homeland. He went. See, many of us want God to show us the full picture like in high definition. Uh, we want his plan in every facet laid before us for our lives. Like, wouldn't it be nice if God would say, this is where I want you to go to college, and, and these are the specific classes that I want you to take, and, and this is the person that I want you to marry, and this is also where I want you to live, and, and this is the job that I want you to work at for 25, 30 years, and here's where I want you to retire, and here's what I, where, I, where I want you to die and be buried but it doesn't work that way, does it? See, following God isn't just about a destination. It's all about the journey. We need to trust God by doing what he's already called us to do, like go, share, love, reach, lead, teach. And so number one, God will guide you through open doors if, say if, you trust him. Number two, don't be disappointed by closed doors. Don't be disappointed by closed doors. As Paul followed God, he encountered a closed door into Asia Minor. And then when he tried to head north to, toward the Black Sea, God shut the door again. How many of you know that shut doors are a fact of life? Sometimes a, a child of God can become so frustrated because it seems as doors of service or opportunity are, are being closed. I've heard that said to me before, Pastor, I'm trying to do a good thing and, and the door just won't open. The, the opportunity won't come up. What is I'm praying. I'm believing. I, I feel like I'm in the right place. But listen, don't be disappointed by closed doors. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Jesus speaking to the church at Philadelphia, and he identifies himself by saying, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Listen, so it's true that God shuts doors, but we should also know that he isn't the only one who tries to shut doors. 
Like when you're trying to serve God and you encounter a closed door, really your first question should be, did God really just close that door or is it someone or something else? See, sometimes other people will close the door, and, and sometimes we know that, that there's an enemy, the devil and his demonic forces. They will try to place obstacles in the way of your service and devotion. And so just because you encounter resistance or difficulty, it doesn't mean that God has shut the door. If you're certain that God closed a, a, a certain door, don't, don't, listen, don't be discouraged. Just start looking for the door that he has opened for you. Like Henry Blackaby, he wrote, uh, when you begin to follow God and circumstances seem to close doors of opportunity, go back to the Lord. Go back to the Lord and clarify what God said. He most often is not calling you to a task, but to a relationship. And through that relationship, he is going to do something in your life. Again, it's not always about the destination. It's about the journey. What journey are you on today? What is the journey that God has you on in your life? What are the things that you are facing? Listen, I say it all the time. Nothing happens by accident. And so if you are facing something right now, you've got to ask God, what are you trying to work into me? Or what are you trying to work out of me? What is your plan, God? I want to walk in that plan. See, when God said no to Paul, it, it was because he, he was going to say yes to something better. I was, I was unsure if I was going to share this, but I'll, I will as quickly as I can. Is, uh, uh, we have our Bible college students are, are back home for the summer with us. And uh, listen, there isn't a day I don't look at, at uh, Owen and Xiomara and uh, Jordan and not think of my days at Bible college. And I've told you different pieces of the story, but uh, really uh, at the end of my four years, I spent four years at uh, the Bible college being trained up for the ministry. And, and how many of you know that sometimes we get caught up in our own dreams and our own desires? And uh, all along, I kind of had in mind that, listen, I, I'm a young guy graduating Bible college for certain. Uh, uh, you know, God is calling me to youth ministry. And never heard those words from God, never really uh, got in that specific direction. I just figured, uh, listen, I'd love to do youth ministry. And it just so happened that my uh, church home, my home church in New York, uh, they, uh, we had a, they had a need while I was there. And uh, I talked to my senior pastor and everything seemed to be lined up. I was going to go back home to Newburgh, New York and follow a long line of great youth pastors. And I was excited for what God was going to do in my life. I was preparing myself. And just, uh, just great, great excitement that you feel at the end of a journey that you've got a plan, that you've got a mission to go on. Uh, but again, long story short, things didn't happen the way I wanted them to. And all of a sudden, the door that I thought God had opened, the, the door that I had dreamed about, the, 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 the destination that I had hoped for, it just closed before me. And, and if my wife were here uh, this morning, she would probably have a look on her face because in my entire life of, of, of loving and living for Jesus, that was a very dark period in my life. Very dark. And listen, I, I doubted my calling. I doubted what God was doing in my life in Bible college. I, I doubted what he was saying. Again, I had convinced myself. How many of you know you can convince yourself of something? 
You can absolutely convince your, this is the will of God. This is what God, well, when did God speak that to you? Well, no, they surely, this is the will of God. This is what I've been training. If he hasn't spoken it to you, and if he hasn't given you the direction, maybe it's not the will of God. Maybe that door is closed, and you are trying to open it. Again, you know, that was devastating for me, and thank God for a praying wife. Thank God for the mercy and the grace of God. Obviously, I'm here today, and so I made it past that. And in fact, guess what? One day I came to the realization, uh, you know, having gotten opportunities to, uh, listen, I've done, you know, youth groups, and, and I've filled in here and there, but I remember the day I looked up at heaven, and I said, thank you. Thank you for not letting me kick that door open. I'm not a youth pastor. Thank God for Ryan and for Abigail. I couldn't do what they do. They're called to do it. I'm not called to do that. And so calling is important, knowing, uh, you know, not to be disappointed by closed doors because the reality is when God is saying no to the one thing you may have your heart fixed on, he is about to say yes to something better. The truth is, sometimes our disappointments in life can become God's appointments. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes our disappointments in life can become God's appointments. So don't let closed doors bother you. And listen, the the things we often think of as failures and problems can often end up being a blessing in disguise. And so number one, God will guide you if you trust him. Number two, don't don't be disappointed by closed doors. And number three, be active as you look for God's open door. Be active, say active, as you look for God's open door. As I was preparing this, it's controversial for me because I know I've, uh, all, you know, at times been uh, uh, encouraged to when you don't know which way God is to just stop and do nothing. Bad advice. See, when, when the apostle Paul encountered the closed doors uh, at Galatia and Mysia, he didn't give up and all of a sudden returned back to Antioch, nor did he sulk and complain. The worst thing he could have done was to sit still and say, okay, God, uh, you haven't opened the door and so I'm not moving until you show me which way to go. Instead, he kept on moving. This is why I said it's controversial in a way because I've heard that and I've said that if you don't know what to do, just stop and do nothing I would say stop for a moment I would say stop and reevaluate but not to do anything to just stop and and not not move at all we know that Paul was he he went on to move we know that he was actively looking for the right way to go uh, so he took another direction west and and as he was moving west God directed him to take the gospel into Europe have you ever been excited about an opportunity and suddenly found that door was closed the worst thing you can do is camp out at that closed door you can't quit you got to keep moving. God will direct your path. See, now someone might say, but what about waiting on the Lord, Pastor Freddie? And listen, yet the truth about waiting is that it's not a passive experience. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is not doing anything. In other words, there are things to do while you wait that are already being blessed by God. So do those things. Some of you are in the hallway right now. You're in the hallway right now. You don't like it. 
It's not fun being in the hallway. It's not going quick enough. Pastor Freddie, I can see the doors in the distance. A door to the right, a door to the left. I, I just don't know which way to go, and, and I'm here, and, 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 you know, should I stop? Should, no, don't stop. Keep moving. Keep moving. Listen, it's easier for God to direct a person if he or she is already in motion serving him. So what do you do? You serve him in the hallway. You serve him in the hallway, right where you are. See, he's not going to give you bigger and better things. He's not going to take you to that next step until in the hallway you are, you know, just accepting the fact that, look, God must have something to work into me or work out of me. God is working in my life right now. I don't understand it all. I don't see the big picture. All I've got is the next step. And so I guess I'll do that. And in doing that, God will raise you up. In doing that, you will get the next step. But don't stop. Stop. It's like a, a boat sitting dead still in the water can't be turned by a rudder unless it's already moving. Without motion, that vessel is dead in the water. The rudder is useless unless you're moving. A boat has to have forward motion in order for the rudder to be effective in the same way. If you are seeking God's direction for your life, don't sit still doing nothing. If you do, you're dead in the water. But if you are active, say active. One more time, active. If you're active serving God where you can, it's easier for him to direct you into different paths of service. Another thing to keep in mind is the, the opposition that you might face as you're active. See, Paul had an open door in Ephesus, but he also faced great opposition. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, Paul wrote, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door of effective work has opened for me open to me, and there are many who oppose me. So at the same time that he got an open door, uh, there was opposition. If Paul had an open door and also faced opposition, you may have an open door and also face opposition. Don't whine and cry and say, why me or why me? Why would God allow or why would God open this door and all of a sudden uh, want me or desire for me to face this opposition? Listen, when you are actively looking for God's open doors, you are going to probably face some opposition. The devil doesn't want what God wants for your life. <laughs> if God has opened the door, go through the door. Go through the opposition. In that moment, the most important consideration is, will God be glorified if I proceed? Will God be glorified if I proceed? When you find God's direction, move immediately. Acts 16 and verse 10 says, they got ready at once. Say at once. And verse 11 says, they put out to sea and they sailed straight or straight away 
to the coast. In other words, they had a heavenly tailwind as they went through the door, not as they stopped, not as they looked back, not as they turned back, but as they were going in that direction, they had a heavenly tailwind that was going to help them go to their destination. Again, uh, number three, be active as you look out for God's open door. And number four, don't depend on doors alone to find God's will. Don't depend on doors alone to find God's will. How many of you know that God speaks in many ways? See, using uh, 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 opened and closed doors to find God's will can actually be risky business. Circumstances can sometimes be deceiving, especially when you look at them from the wrong perspective. Henry Blackaby wrote, be careful how you interpret circumstances. Many times we jump to a conclusion too quickly. A whole lot of wrong things can happen if you try to look at God from the middle of circumstances. When you face difficult or confusing circumstances, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and help you understand your circumstances from God's perspective. That's the perspective we should want, isn't it? God's perspective. And so when it comes to finding God's will, I think there's a good way, a better way, and a best way. And, and I want to briefly give you those three sources for finding God's will. A, a good way. A good way to find God's will is circumstances. Circumstances can often be God's external guide for us. This is called providential guidance. Sometimes you can determine God's will by looking at circumstances that seem to reveal either open or closed doors. God has promised in Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. How many of you are glad that he's watching over you? Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Listen, knowing that God is watching over us, circumstances can be labeled open and closed doors that we've already been talking about. And that's good, right? That's good. We ought to be aware of our surroundings. You know, if God has a plan for your life and things are happening on, along the way, you are doing ministry in the hallway, all of a sudden a clear door opens up and there's blessing there, awesome. Maybe a little bit of opposition, but you know what? You're not afraid because greater is he that's in me, in you, than he that's in the world. And so you walk through and you begin to experience the blessings of God. Awesome, awesome. God can speak through circumstances. It's good. But B is better. There's a better way. That better way is the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that to be true? See, God's Spirit, He dwells inside His children, and so this is His internal guide. Internal, on the inside of you. It's interesting in Acts 16 that Luke writes that the Holy Spirit prevented uh, Paul from going into Asia Minor, and then he writes that Paul was prevented by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Those two are one and the same. They're one and the same. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus as well as the Spirit of the living God. In John 14, 16, Jesus promised he would send the Holy Spirit who would help and guide the disciples. 
As he spoke about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 17, he said, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. This means we need to be listening for that still small voice. If we are seeking God's guidance, he will speak to us. Listen, that's for today. I, sadly, I know some people, they're like, no, God doesn't speak that way today. You're, they're missing out. I really believe that. The Holy Spirit, God is a supernatural God. He didn't cease being supernatural. He's still that way. He still knows how to direct. Isaiah 30 and verse 21, God says, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That same voice is with followers of Christ today. In fact, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you will recognize his voice. Jesus said in John 10 and 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, you know, some people say, well, I've never heard the voice of God. I've never heard God direct me. I've never heard. I've never heard. Have you actually taken time to listen? Some of us, we're so busy. Some of us, we're so loud. Some of us, uh, we're surrounded by all of this noise and all of this distraction and all of these things that are taking us this way and that way. And God just wants to speak. And in fact, God has been speaking, but you have not been still enough to hear his voice. Listen, that's deliberate. You have to say, I'm going to listen. God, if you're speaking, I want to hear. God, direct me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Uh, finally, the third source for hearing God's, God's voice is the best way I believe. It is the word, the word of God, God's word, the Bible. So listen, circumstantial guidance is good. The inner voice of God's spirit is better. But the very best way to hear God's voice is to read and study the word of God day in and day out. It is God's faithful and eternal guide. Holy Spirit is internal. The word of God is eternal. It's still going. It's still speaking. The word of God is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is directing you. It is correcting you. It is letting you know when you are going in the right direction that if you say uh, to any person, uh, well, this, I am doing this in my life and I am doing that in my life, and if any of, the, of that list would be sins or things that God is displeased with, uh, how many of you know that, that God doesn't want or desire those things in your life? And so God wants you to remove those things. God wants you to obey God wants you to go in the right direction and so his word makes it clear his word makes it clear the very best way again is the word of God it is faithful it is eternal Hold, uh, worship team come God's word is the voice of God God's word is the voice of God Psalm 119, 104, and 105 says, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet 
and a light on my path. If you feel you're on a journey and it's getting dark, if you feel like you're moving and you're in confusion, you don't know which way to go, I would say turn to the Word of God. I would say get it inside of you. I would say meditate on His Word, uh, battling with any sin, battling with anything that, that continues to plague you in your life. Maybe you've been serving God for 5 or 10 or 15 years and it's that same old sin. It's that same old thing tripping you up time and time again. Let His Word get on the inside of you. Let God speak to you. Let Him show you the way. See, reading God's Word will teach you the wrong paths. You start walking on wrong paths when you enter through wrong doors. God's Word teaches you what not to do as much as it teaches you how to live. As you regularly study God's Word, you'll find God will use a phrase, a verse, a passage. Apply it to your current life situation. It's as if the words literally jump off the page and grab you. There's a harbor in, in Italy that can only be reached by sailing through a, a narrow channel filled with dangerous rocks. And through the years, many ships have been wrecked when they tried to enter the harbor by night. Before GPS, they erected three lights on very tall poles. One light was in the harbor. The other two were on the shore. And when the three lights were perfectly lined up, the ships could proceed safely into harbor. If only two were lined up, the captain knew he was off course. In the same way, God has provided three lights for us. When you line up circumstances, the voice of God through his Holy Spirit and his word, you can proceed safely. Stand to your feet. <clears throat> Remember, when it comes to open and shut doors, God will guide you if you trust him. Don't be disappointed by closed doors. Be active as you look for God's open door. And don't depend on doors alone to find God's will. He wants you to know his will. He wants you to know his way. He's not playing peekaboo with you. Let him make his way clear. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you are doing, for how you are speaking, for how you are leading. We ask God that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring us to a place of full and total surrender. We need you. We desire you. Help us to know the way. In Jesus' name, amen.